Modern life is crazy busy. Power your midlife energy with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. When you hear the word midlife, what comes to mind? Does the word midlife conjure up a sense of joy, abundance, happiness, wholeness? If the answer is no, stick around. My guest today is helping women reimagine how they see and experience midlife. Amanda Hansen is a clinical psychologist turned transformational life coach for women. You may know her by her social media handle, The Midlife Muse, and from her scroll-stopping videos on Instagram, where she shares ideas on radical self-love, patriarchal beauty standards, aging as a spiritual experience, the glory of going gray, living an authentic life, and so much more. I am truly so excited to be with her today and to share her contagious approach to midlife as a time of limitless possibilities. Welcome, Amanda. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm honored to be here and to have this conversation. I am delighted. I have gotten to know you and your your work over Instagram. You share such inspiring videos. Uh, I really feel lit up every time I engage with your material. So I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm thrilled that I get to have this conversation with you today. And I wanted to ask you about something that I read on your website, you know, your, the journey to your current work, to the creation of your platform and your podcast, Revolutioning Midlife, uh, I learned was ignited by a simple Google search. And I would love for you to share what that Google search was and how it changed your life. Yes, absolutely. So as I was approaching the 40 mark, which was 10 years ago, I'm now in my 50s, I was very interested in what does it really mean to be entering this midlife phase? And what was the current conversation happening? And so just out of curiosity, I had typed it into the Google search bar, and I didn't even finish the word midlife. And it completed the phrase for me and said, midlife crisis. And I went on to scroll and find endless doomsday articles and posts about everything that I should be fearing for what was to come. And so I didn't see much positivity. I didn't see much excitement. I didn't see anything to be excited or hopeful for. I really thought, is it possible that we can create a different narrative? Is it possible that we don't have to be in the scarcity of fearing this time and rather celebrating it for what it is? Because let's be honest, it is not our 20s or our 30s any longer. We are meant to be going through this phase. And so I really just became curious for myself. So it began with me doing a very deep dive for myself and really deconstructing everything I believed about what it meant to be a woman in a culture that is so youth obsessed and beauty focused, what it meant to be a woman in a patriarchal world. And I had to do it first for myself before I could ever lead anybody else on that path. Yeah, I've had the exact same experience. I'm Googling midlife constantly because of the podcast. I'm looking for midlife experts on certain topics. And Google really needs uh, 
they they need some help because when you do type in midlife crisis is the next thing that sort of auto populates and it's it's definitely depressing um you know i wanted to ask you, you you mentioned this this sort of um work that you had to do for yourself the patriarchal sort of beauty standards that exist I saw in a recent video that you shared on Instagram that you were talking about this double standards, you know, with regard to age. Men are allowed to age. They they achieve gravitas and, and women are not. You know, we exist in a system that tells us the only way to find worth is to stay youthful. We are bombarded, you know, with these messages, um, you know, about anti-aging products. It's, it's everywhere. So it sounds like you did the work for yourself before you could help other people. How did you, how did you start to reject these anti-aging messages that, that culture constantly serves us? You know, I felt really insulted by them. It felt so limiting and so shallow that the biggest piece of interesting, um, part about, I guess my personality would be how youthful I looked or how I appeared from the outset. And I, I just reject, I I started rejecting it by understanding or uh, really excavating for myself. Like, do I even believe this to be true? And when I really sat with it for some time and thought about all of the people that I revere, like my grandmothers who have now passed, right. And my aunts and, and different women, I'm thinking, do I actually believe that women lose their value, their worth, their power? Like, do I personally believe that? And what I found was, no, I don't. As a matter of fact, I feel the opposite. I feel that as women age, there's so much more wisdom. What I find is I want to be at the feet of those women. I want to learn from them. I have endless stories that I want to ask. So when I realized I had absorbed a cultural message, it wasn't actually mine. I was able to start to really get in and do the work from that space. But I think the biggest mistake we make is that we don't ever question why we believe something we believe. And I will be honest in telling you, most of my clients, when we go down this path, and it's the very first question I ask them after the very first session to really take through their next week and start asking and and exploring, they come back to me and they are always astounded that so much of what they've been operating by was something they absorbed from a very sick culture, but not really deeply what they held to be true in their hearts. And so we can't do the work of deconstructing and decolonizing this entire system for ourselves until we pause and ask the question, do I even believe this is true? Like if I lived on a remote island all alone starting tomorrow, would this actually be at the front and center of my focus for living? This is such a fantastic question. Do I even believe this to be true? We should be asking ourselves this question about so many things in our lives. And I love that you applied it to to yourself and to aging. I, you know, regular listeners of this show will know that I have a day job as a communications career coach. I work with senior executives all the time, and it was their study, Drumbeat of Fear Around Ageism, that um, put this into high relief for me. Like I didn't believe that it was true that they were no longer relevant or marketable or had nothing, you know, of value to offer society. And that's really why I launched this podcast. I was sick and tired of people telling me they were too old to do things because I, I didn't believe that to be true, and I didn't want them to believe it about themselves. Um, but you know, I, I'm wondering, Amanda, because. It, it sounds like when you ask this question of your clients, many of them come back and say, no, I don't believe this. I reject it. But there must be some that do. Um, what happens when these patriarchal messages are so deeply embedded in, in, uh, in our systems that we, that we can't initially reject them? How do you help somebody who, 
who struggles to believe that it's true that they have worth? Well, one of the first things I do is I have them get in front of a mirror and I have them, I I have all these affirmations and practices. I have women do a lot of mirror work, right? No makeup on, completely exposed and to sit there. And it's a gradual process, right? And in the first few times for those women in particular, it's almost impossible. It's very difficult for them to actually look at themselves because the average woman looks at herself to critique, to fix to, you know, smudge or to move away some smudged mascara. It's rare that we look and we are in awe or reverence. So those women, I mean, I put all women in front of the mirror, but those women need a little bit more time. Right. And so it's really rebuilding a new narrative because I will never, I will never believe that we are stuck a certain way. Everything is possible. And so it's, it's for those women, it's just going to be a slower, longer, more tender unraveling, um, lots of dancing, lots of mirror work, lots of journaling. It's a very deep process that would take entirely too long for me to explain everything here because there is no quick fix. There is no, for the women who believe it's deeply embedded or they actually have bought into and believe that, that lie, there isn't like, okay, do these three things. And in 30, 30 minutes, it will all feel better, right? Because we are oftentimes, these are women who started believing that there was something wrong with their bodies or that they owed something to the world around the age of eight or nine. That's when the average girl starts to believe something's physically wrong with her, that she's not acceptable enough. And so when that is sitting in your nervous system for so many decades, it's going to take some time to excavate it and rewrite a more beautiful way forward. Um, I love the idea of excavating this sort of this this inner criticism because I believe that every woman has an inner voice and I you know I I know that I have one I was raised by a mother that that gave me great messaging my inner voice is mostly kind to myself and as I've gotten older it's gotten even more supportive um, but we do have these moments you know where sometimes if you look in the mirror you you do look different than you used to when you're younger i when i look at my cell phone you open it incorrectly and you're staring at your chin <laughs> you know sometimes you're like you know I, you your your physical appearance doesn't look the way you maybe envision yourself i know that you 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 talk about patriarchal beauty standards we want to reject them. Sometimes they do feel like they're in, in your, your brain space. We, we live in such a culture that prioritizes youth and beauty. Um, what are ways that you personally have rejected that yourself that you might share with the listeners? Yeah. Again, like I said in the beginning, and I think it's a really uh, big current for me is the level of just being deeply deeply insulted that that would be the most interesting thing about me because quite honestly, I feel like the way I look is the least interesting thing about me. Um, It's just the way the genetics came together and a stroke of, you know, some combination. I find that the most interesting and fascinating thing about me is the beauty within my soul. And I'm only interested in engaging with people who want to go to those places inside of me and me inside of them. I'm not interested in surface level conversations. I could really care less where you get your hair done, where you bought your handbag or your outfit, um, or how many syringes of Botox you're doing. Like that is not interesting to me. So when I began to reject that, it was through making sure that I cleaned up my social media. So my social media has nothing. Nothing other than pro supportive, you know, pro aging, pro positive menopause messaging. I don't follow diet culture, beauty culture, trends, clothing, all of that shit. 
Um, I really keep my space squeaky clean and it only is filled with messages that are important to me. Plus, I really am not a content consumer. I consider myself a content creator, but I don't consume lots of content because I don't want that poison in my in my um, system. And so I also am very careful as to what I choose to bring into my home, what I read, the way I speak to myself, the way I'm raising my 19-year-old daughter and the rest of my children. Um, I'm very, uh, words are important. And so I choose my words carefully and I make sure that the conversations are very elevated. We rarely, if ever, talk about exterior facing parts of how we look as a family, because again, it's that piece is irrelevant. And so I don't make that a focal point of my conversation, my life. Um, and the, when I do look in the mirror in the morning, I have my own morning ritual and practice in the mirror. It is absolutely holy. And so my time in the mirror, when I start my day that way, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And it is of such love and awe and yeah. And just gratitude for this journey. I I'm not meant to look at 50 the way I did at 20 or 30, you know? So, um, that's not the goal. The goal is not to go backwards for goodness sakes. The goal is constant evolution forward. And I feel like for me, evolution forward means in every aspect and also being able to shift that aging to me is very spiritual and I'm not going to miss an ounce of that. And I can't fully do that if I'm not fully in it and I'm not fully living what that means to see and feel the changes. So I won't deny myself that privilege of feeling it all. I love everything about this, Amanda. We're heading into a quick break, but when we come back, I want to explore this notion of aging as a spiritual experience. At a certain age, we love dry humor, but dry skin, no. Dry skin is one of the most common complaints of women as we age. Why? Because our skin naturally starts to produce less oil and our estrogen levels drop. And less estrogen equals drier skin. At Carrie Grand Skincare, they believe that we don't need more products as we age. We need better ones with natural oil-based ingredients focusing on health and hydration, not youth and perfection. Carrie Grand is dedicated to giving our skin the nourishment it needs. With a simple three-step ritual, you'll see the difference a few essential products can do. At Carrie Grand, they use only the best organic, naturally derived, and non-GMO ingredients. This woman-run company is also sustainably conscious and hand-pours all their products in Seattle. Exclusively for a certain age listeners, you can use code KATIE20 at checkout to receive 20% off plus free shipping. That's K-A-T-I-E-2-0. Head to Carrie Grand today. That's K-A-R-I-G-R-A-N. Your thirsty skin will thank you. Amanda, we're back from our break. You were saying as we headed into it that you view aging as not something to be feared, you know, which is what pop culture and, and a lot of messagings uh, tends to drive home to a lot of women that you see it as a, as a spiritual experience. You know, have you always felt this way or did your attitude towards aging change as you aged? I think I, I didn't realize that I always felt this way as deeply as I do. You know, in college, I worked in a nursing home and I've always, as 
from the time, as far as I can remember, as a little girl, I've had an affinity for the elderly and for older women in particular. I've always been deeply fascinated by the crevices and the wrinkles on their hands and their face and the way their fingers like picked things up and, and the stories they would tell. And I'm so thankful that I have such this like old soul in me that has always gravitated and sought older women. Um, and so I didn't think... I, I fully understood that until I was, you know, I just knew that I loved older people. And then when I started to enter this midlife space, I started to realize, oh my gosh, I get to become one of those people. I get to become the wisdom holder. I get to become the trusted sage and advisor that the girls and the women get to come to and ask the questions. And so as I was really searching for a leader, like really searching for the kind of leader I was ravenous for, I couldn't find her. And I was really sad that every version of an, a woman that was ahead of me by a few decades, um, was still a patriarchalized version for me. And so after enough time, I just decided to become her. I decided to become the woman I was craving leadership from. So that's really how Midlife Muse came to be. Um, I, I love this notion. I, I also love the, the fact that you share that you always were attracted to older women. Like I, when I think about my grandmothers in my own life, how how impactful and special they were. They were storytellers and creators and, 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 you know, really, um, you know, my father's mother in particular was the sort of the matriarch of a big extended family. And there, there was such uh, inspiration around that model, you know, what it meant to, to age, how it meant to be, how you could be involved with your family and your community. And she had such elegance and such, um, I don't know, just sort of radiance around her that I, that I, I love the fact that your grandmother was also that inspiration for you. Mm -hmm. um, this, this notion of radiance actually reminds me of something that I saw on your Instagram recently, because I, as I said, I follow you and I, I hope that all listeners will go spend some time uh, engaging with Amanda's videos. They're always so thought provoking and, and lovely and inspiring, but you shared something, you shared a story about being out to dinner with one of your son's friends and some of the younger women around the table were asking you about your skincare routine, saying like, you just glow and your skin is so radiant. And you said, I don't have a skincare routine. I have a soul care routine. And I just adored that notion. Um, and it's something that I, you know, want to take on for myself. I, I feel like I do things to nourish myself, yoga, time with friends, reading, thinking, but I've never really thought of it as a soul care routine. And I think that's such a beautiful notion. Is this something that you've adopted in midlife? Is it something that you've always had? Can you walk us through, you know, what your soul care routine might look like? Yes, absolutely. I think it's something I adopted in midlife because I realized if I really wanted to walk this out the way I dreamed of walking out this midlife experience, it was going to take prioritizing my soul because that big capitalistic machine every day, even unconsciously, right? Whether I have them, those accounts on my Instagram or not, simply existing in this world. We know it's everywhere. And so I knew that it was going to take me taking really good care of my soul and myself, filling myself up with those messages to combat a system that's going to try really hard to tell me otherwise, <clears throat> because that's how we make you know billions of dollars in these industries is keep women in fear, keep women feeling that they need more of something and they keep opening their wallets and spending. And so for me, like I mentioned, I have that daily practice in the mirror every morning. Um, 
in addition, I mean, I've been doing this work, excuse me, for so long now that it's, it's almost as if it reverberates inside of me. It lives inside of my cells. I feel like they've been regenerated, reconfigured for this new messaging. So I just hold myself in such high regard and it's not in a place of like, oh, I'm so full of myself. Um, It is in this place of like, I am so in awe of myself. I'm so in awe of this journey of this life that my heart is beating, that I get to come here another day and do this gorgeous work and raise these people. And so I see myself through a lens of awe rather than, oh my gosh, look at, there's another sunspot. Oh my gosh. I can't believe there's more silver hair or I, you know, I think it's really important that I just continue to to love and be compassionate about the parts of myself that are changing and see them simply as a new rite of passage rather than something wrong. So taking care of my soul means really understanding like what is there inside of me. And I can't do that if I'm constantly in the noise of the world. So I do that through dancing. Dancing is really big for me. I do a lot of dancing in the mirror till I have endless kinds of playlists from sensual playlists. You know, a lot of my work lives in the space of sensuality um, and between the root, you know, in the root chakra between the hips. And so do a lot, I do a lot of that work. I do a lot of journaling to understand in, in the quietest times and spaces, like what's inside there. Um, And we can't get there. If I'm on social media, listening to other people's messages, I can't get inside to my own message. So to get to know your soul is like, we have to go inside and spend time and not be afraid of spending time alone in the discovery of who we are. Um, you, you, you talk a lot about the, the divine feminine in your work, uh, in your writing, on your website and your videos, you, Wear gorgeous feminine clothing, uh, jewel colors, flowy, beautiful. You use language and imagery that really connotes powerful females. You make frequent references to the queen. You know, what, what is divine feminine energy to you? And, and, and is this maybe a two part question? How can women reconnect with it if we've shut ourselves off from it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Reconnecting with it is going to take a a group. It's going to take constant support because we are so far gone. It's been over 2,500 years since we took the goddess out of the stories. There's no religion that reveres women, right? So we don't have any um, real frame of reference. So my work, it has a very ancient thread, you know, in my masterminds, I work with these women for six months and we go so, so far back, so deep. It is some of the most soul shifting, powerful work of a lifetime, um, where women are completely leveled after the first couple of sessions. They can't even believe that work like this exists in the world because we don't offer this. Everything is like 50 and fabulous. And I I'm still, you know, 50 is the new 30 or whatever. And that's not what my message is. That's not at all what I'm interested in. I'm interested in a more ancient way of being women. And um, so it divine feminine is going back and accessing the parts of ourselves that were so inherent inside of us. And, you know, really, like I believe all women, if, if they're open to the potential of listening, every woman is a witch. Um, and there are things I have done, my family and I just got home from a family vacation last night and we were all talking about this. They were all going around telling stories, you know, they're adult children now of mom, remember the time and everybody has all these stories. There are times that are absolutely unexplainable 
where I made an instinctual decision that I could never have helped anyone else understand why I was making it. And it was very revolutionary, but I knew inside because I was listening to my body, I had to make that decision. It would just as soon be someone would have to suffocate me to not make that decision. That instinct is a lot of helping women get back in touch with that divine feminine instinct inside of them is so much a base of what my work is. And that's where the truth lives, where most women understand, oh my God, I am not I am not the way my face looks. I'm so much more than that. I don't believe in this patriarchal aging stuff. So we can't get there until we do this divine ancient old work. And so I bring women back into the deep woods, you know, 3000 years ago before we were silenced or hung for our instincts. And so it's very ancient and there's many, I use tons of rituals to help women get back there. It's very poetic. It's very artfelt. It is not of this world. I will tell you that. It sounds absolutely fascinating. So this is actually maybe a great time to ask this question. It sounds like you work with people, uh, with, with women. Is this one-on-one? Are they through retreats? Tell, tell us a little bit about how your work actually works. Oh, that's yes. Thank you for asking. I do. Um, I do have a few one-on-one clients. My one-on-one work is very deep and long. The minimum I work with someone is six months because this, again, this work is not a flip of a switch. I'm not a one, two, three, here's the steps and everything's going to be better kind of a coach. There's millions of those. So I do, I have very limited spaces. I actually have um, the one-on-one coaching available spaces. And then I also do a six month mastermind where I take 24 women, two groups of 12 through a very deep six month journey where we meet three times a month over zoom. They all get a one-on-one session with me each month and then unlimited Voxer and Voxer is a, a, a voice memo app where they get to come on and ask me questions throughout the day where, where they're feeling stuck or blocked around what they're learning. And then I have retreats. I offer retreats as well. And I have some online programs, a new one coming out. Um, uh, yeah, here in December. So there's so much availability, um, for women to do self-led paced programs. There is endless ways depending on, but typically if you want to work with me personally, it's deep and it's long so many great offerings. And I would encourage everybody to go to Amanda's website. That's going to be in the show notes. You can head to a certain to find all that after the show. And I'll, I'll definitely give you ways of, of accessing Amanda and learning more about her work. One of the things that, that sort of struck me when we were talking about the, the sort of tapping back into, to instinct, to, you know, maybe spending time sort of excavating and rediscovering ourselves, that so many things get in the way of doing that. And I think you outlined a few of them during this conversation. You know, women who are touched with their souls um, are, are not using sort of survival mode band-aids that you talk about, like wine and excessive shopping, pills, you know, cosmetic procedures. Um, these, these, these band-aids keep us um, from sort of healing more completely. You know, we live in a culture that's, that, that's awash in all of these things. If somebody is looking to head into the new year and thinking, you know, I, I, I want to rip these band-aids off, you know, one way might be working with Amanda, but for people who aren't able to do that for any reason, you know, is there, I know you're not a one to two tip person, but is there a starting point that they might explore for themselves? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing and here's the truth of it is we can't get to a new place doing old things. So if you want to create change in your life, I would just suggest just take something 
1% of change a day. If we do 1% every day in a hundred days, you'll have a hundred percent change in your life. And then you get to add a new hundred percent. So I tell clients not to get overwhelmed with the work, but if you're feeling like, I know there's got to be a better way. And this is what I, I always say. I had this feeling when I was entering midlife, I just really thought it was all supposed to be more magical. And so if you are questioning or feeling like, gosh, I mean, life doesn't feel like it should be so full of suffering. Where's the magic? Where's the mystery? Where's the sensuality? If you're asking yourself that, then the best place to start is just add 1% of change, 1%. And so that 1% may look like Today, I'm actually putting my phone down. I'm not going to sit here and numb scroll, or I'm going to actually put that bottle of wine away. And instead, I'm going to dim all the lights. I'm going to light some candles. And for three minutes, I'm just going to dance for myself. I'm going to let go and hear the music and let my soul just be moved. And it's through connecting with ourselves. We are never going to find our way outside of ourselves. So it's not going to be in a bottle. It's not going to be in a prescription. It's not going to be in a procedure. It's going to be through connection in your soul. And that doesn't happen in loud spaces. I love all these ideas that you just outlined because they feel so doable. And, you know, uh, um, I have three kids. Sometimes they joke, I've got a husband, a pandemic puppy, two jobs, and, you know, life can feel really full. And um, this, this notion that I hit on earlier, like I want a soul care practice, you know, I want to be able to, to spend time bringing intention to um, my days, but sometimes it just feels overwhelming. And I love that you outlined just very small ways that we can make big changes if we if we apply them step by step over a course of 100 days. So thank you for sharing that. It, it makes it feel, um, you know, exciting and possible, which I think is one of the biggest uh, things we need to feel in order to get into action on things that we, uh, that we care about. Um, what, what what do you recommend how we talk to our daughters about all of this? Because you, you share that you have a, a, you know, a young adult daughter yourself. I have a 22 year old, um, you know, in, in order to help them sort of break through some of these, you know, patriarchal systems that, that, that we've all sort of struggled through. You know, I, I feel like my daughter really has a great sense of self. You know, do you talk to your daughter differently than you would say a woman in midlife around these messages or is it the same? It's the same. And I don't, I don't talk to her as much as I show her. Like we cannot teach something that we are not doing. So if we are not doing it, if we're telling our daughters, you have to love your, just love yourself. You're so amazing. Just the way you are, you were made perfectly. And yet we turn around and criticize ourselves and um, treat ourselves differently Then they pick up on how we treat ourselves, not what we tell them. So um, it's how we move in the world. And as a very powerful matriarch in my own family, my sheer existence is the leadership. So I have a show in Miami this Friday. My daughter who goes to school in another part of Florida is going to be driving back to perform. She's a singer. She's going to be singing in my show. And she was saying, she's like, mom, I just don't know how, she, you know, she's been performing for a long time, but she's like, I just don't know how I'm going to sing that first song without crying because I have her singing a song that is so powerful. And it's basically questioning. It's this song called the daughters. And it's really saying, I know that there is God, the son and the father, 
but I'm still looking for a God for my daughters. Really this idea of like, where is the leadership for the girls? Where's the leadership for the women? And I will be damned if I am not the leader for my daughter and for all of her friends whose mothers aren't able to be. And so it is in the way that we lead ourselves as women that is the is the way they will lead themselves. It's through the way we show up. So my daughter feels so insanely in love and safe in herself because she's watching me do it. That's so beautiful, Amanda. Thank you for sharing that. And 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 how glorious to see your daughter perform in something that you that you've created. That sounds like it's going to be um, so special. Uh, I'm cu- I'm curious. You you said that you start started the midlife muse because you were in search of uh, the leader that you wanted to see for for aging for midlife for for entering this this period of wisdom that you became the leader that you needed for yourself while doing this work while encountering so many other women in midlife. Have you found new leaders? Have you found new inspiration from from other women you've interacted with in midlife that you could point us to? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it is, there's very few, actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's quite disappointing. Um, I am going to pull up one. There is one woman actually that I, you know, I do love and follow and her name is Sarah. I think it's Sarah Dunham or Sarah Durham. Um, mm-hmm. let me try to find exactly, um, because she talks a lot so she on Instagram, she goes by uh, Sarah of Magdalene. Her name is Sarah Durham Wilson. Um, she is another woman that I really love and follow. And one of the very few, quite honestly, because there is there are so many still I see patriarchalized versions of women saying, oh, I'm I'm pro midlife and I'm and yet it really doesn't look much different. It's just it they're they're marching around doing it in a way that is still very damaging and is very um wounded feminine energy. So I have to be honest, it's it's very scarce out there it, for me personally in terms of leadership that I feel is going to actually move the needle for us as women. Otherwise we're just doing performative feminism. Gotcha. All right. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. So Sarah of Magdalene, I will look her up. I'm curious to learn more about her and I will put that in the show notes uh, for people who are listening and, and, and just really excited about everything that Amanda's sharing. I, I would direct you to two former guests that I've had on the podcast, Christine Marie Mason, uh, the founder of Rosebud Women, who talks a lot about the divine feminine uh, on her podcast and in her work and writing, she's she's wonderful. And um, Omashadi Bernie Scott, who 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 uh, talks about uh, the liminality of uh, liminality of menopause, um, menopause as a portal into a uh, a new way of being versus um, the the sort of sense of loss that it's often marketed as. And uh, Omi was a guest on the podcast as well and, and really has a beautiful point of view of, around this um, this sort of midlife and menopause as a moment of sort of transcendent change. So I, I will add those to, to Sarah and Magdalene. Um, Amanda, this has been so fun to be with you. I, I just really adore getting to have conversations with people whose work I admire from afar. I know, um, you know, spending a lot of time in social media can be very uh, corrosive, as you, as you shared earlier in the show, but 
I also find that there are certain voices that are inspiring and that lift us up. And I, I put you firmly into that camp. So I've, I've so enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better during this conversation. Um, we are nearing the end of our time together. I wanted to head into a quick speed round because I could always spend more time with guests than we have allotted for the show. And we want to end on a high energy note and just share a bit more of you and your work with our listeners. So if you, if you're ready, I would love to dive in. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So this is just one to two word answers. It's really, it's, it's easy and hopefully it's fun. Um, I know that you say revolutions start with small rituals that turn into transformative routines. You have a, a newsletter around this and people should sign up for it. What is one daily non-negotiable in your morning routine? Mirror work. Mirror work. Okay. What's another fitness or lifestyle choice that fuels your peace? Lots of water. Nice. Is there a skill or attribute you've acquired in midlife that eluded you when you were younger? Self-trust. I like that. Okay. You just celebrated a birthday, which I saw. Happy birthday. What is one new thing you want to do, see, or try before your next birthday? Publish a book. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Finally, what is your one word answer to complete this sentence? As I age, I feel. Holy. Gorgeous. Thank you so much, Amanda. Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, the Midlife Muse, your podcast, and learn more about your coaching work? Yes. My website is amandahanson.com. That's with an O, Hanson's with an O. And then on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram, I'm at Midlife Muse. Also on Facebook, which I'm rarely on. Um, And then I would say my podcast, Revolutionizing Midlife, I wrap that up in July. While it's still there and it's still being downloaded constantly, I think that I started my YouTube last week for my birthday, and that's going to be my newer platform that I will be um, participating on. Fabulous. Amanda, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. This conversation was such a treat. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Before we end, two last items. If you love and appreciate this podcast, I would love and appreciate an Apple podcast review. Reviews help the show grow. And second, have you visited our new sister account over on Instagram, Age Out Loud? We want to feature your Age Out Loud story. If you believe your age stands for something, head to Instagram at Let's Age Out Loud and share your story at the link in bio. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.